Well, hello and welcome to episode two of Matchit and the Other Guy, the podcast that uh, I'm sure will take shape the more episodes we do. Uh, we're sitting down at Lake Wiley outside my house in Charlotte. Uh, and the other guy is Kevin, of course, who's right here. Say hi, Kevin. Hello. And um, I can tell you now there is hardly any light down here. It's, what is it, nearly seven o'clock at night now, something like that? I think it's past. About seven o'clock. It's beautifully tranquil down here. And all the sounds you hear are all perfectly natural sounds coming from, from the lake. We have no audio soundtrack other than us sitting here getting colder and colder outside the house. All right. Episode two, Kevin. What are we going to talk about today? Well, something I noticed, uh, over by your TV, you've got a box set of the original Batman on your I do. On your watch list. Yes. The Adam West, Burt Ward, yes. famous Batman set. Yes. Yes, big fan of Batman. Big fan of Batman in, in, in all of its forms, actually, but uh, most particularly those original 1960s um, Batman Shows that was well, that, that, that were just fantastic. That made me think. What uh, what kind of shows did you have as a kid from the U.S.? When did when did those start coming over? And what were what were your shows as a, as a child? Well, those. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think those shows, those Batman shows, were 65, 66, 67, something. There, you're right in there. I think they started maybe in 66. Yeah. So we definitely used to have that, and um, uh, you know, pretty much the same time. As they would have been released. I mean, I would have been. There, was, there wasn't like a few month delay. Well, maybe there's a few months, but it wasn't years. I don't think it was years. It was yeah, certainly gotcha. around the same time, you know, definitely. Um, but Batman, uh, if memory serves, it would have been on a. I want to say it was Saturday lunchtime. Saturday lunchtime, lunchtime about twelve o'clock midday. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we'd watch. We watch. Well, it Batman. was probably if it was shown that way, it's probably like in the syndication times because. I think that one was originally shown probably in prime time when it was first aired in the U.S., like probably an 8 o'clock show or something like that. Oh, is that right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was made to be uh, particularly a kid's show during, you know, kids' hours. Well, I was, I actually, funny enough, I was reading something about those Batman shows, probably resulted by the, the, the box set that, I, that you saw earlier on, um, that the original intention for those shows would be an hour-long show. Oh, really? So I read. I mean, you know, it'd be worth researching this, yes. And for whatever reason, the decision was made that they would be two 30-minute shows, hence the introduction of the same bat time, same, same bat, bat channel, channel, come back again tomorrow and see what happens um, as the conclusion of the episode. Yeah, I think, oh. that, I think that was right. Yeah, that may be the case, actually. Yeah. So definitely Batman... Um, and the you know, original Star Trek episodes, of course, all those. Yeah. And um, which were definitely a prime time show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you like Star Trek? You're a Star Trek fan? Uh, I didn't really pick up on it as 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 much. I mean, I don't think it was in reruns where I where I lived or something in, in regular yeah. rotation or something like that. I just didn't. It just never clicked. Uh, didn't do it for thing. you. It well, you know, I just think it <laughs> wasn't around. And the kids weren't playing with those. We didn't have those toys as yeah. much. And uh, but I remember Batman specifically was always in the afternoons. Okay. Um, on, on a well, somewhere between your three and five o'clock, you know, your your hours before dinner. Um, one your vivid memory was the summertime. We'd go swimming 
at the pool yeah. and come back and I'd still be, you know, a little chilly in the air conditioning from the being at the pool and the towel and I'd sit down on the floor and watch uh, the old vintage Batmans. Yes. And you're a big collector, well, you're a big collector of most things, quite frankly, but you're a big collector of, of, of toys and, and that sort of stuff. So did you have Batman toys? Did you have the Batmobile? I, I did. I yeah. did as as much. It's not as much as being a collector as that I just held on to all that stuff, <laughs> which is a, as, as yeah. uh, the collectors go, you know, that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, they, we got the, they were the Mego figures at that time. They were about 12 inches tall and they uh, had, the, had the Batmobile. And had Batman and Robin, and I remember one one Christmas I got um, the Bat Cave that went with that set. No kidding. It was kind of a plastic kind of would fold down, wow. but it had a bat signal you could put on the wall. You know, you'd light up and shoot it at the wall. It'd make the bat on the wall, and it had cool. the. I'm very I'm very envious. I wish I had a Bat Cave. I'm gonna look for one now. We'll have a look on eBay, see if we can find it. I'd, I'd say you're gonna pay considerably more than they cost in the. Uh, Mid seventies, yeah, uh, yeah. So you say the figures like Batman and Robin were twelve inches tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this well, company. Well, I think it was. I think Mego was was who made those, and they did like um, a lot of the characters. They did D, a lot of the DC Universe yeah. characters and stuff like that. And of course, anything like that new in the box or whatever is very coveted now. Yeah, I must say, watching the watching these old episodes of of, of Batman, um, all the nuances and and the campness of the of the comedy. Was of course lost on us as kids. You know, we uh-huh. were just looking at his excitement of Batman oh, yeah. Robin it solving crime. It wasn't campy; but, but, it was just a show. But, but now, you know, they are just wonderful shows to watch as an adult. You know? Oh yeah, and I tell you, the thing that I still find very impressive, but you know, we simply could not afford a color television. You know, like only the very poshest kids in the village had color TVs. We we were always black, black gotcha. and white. Uh-huh. Black and white and very unreliable, quite frankly. Wow. But to see the vivid colors of, oh, yeah. of Batman. It was, it was just an oh, explosion. Wow. Yeah. And really, um, back in those days, you know, today, you know, kids really, you know, not only you have your shows on demand, yeah. but there's cartoons on, I mean, there's channels devoted to it. There's a cartoon channel. There's, I think, Boomerang, which shows the old stuff. Right. But as a kid, those afternoon shows on a weekday, it wasn't hardly cartoons at all. It was mainly your live action stuff. It would be Batman and Robin, um, Gomer Pyle, yes, Green yeah. Acres, yeah. Beverly Hillbillies, uh, Andy Griffith, those type of things. So it's always just the old reruns of Brady Bunch, uh, for instance. And you didn't get cartoons until Saturday morning. Okay. Saturday, oh, okay. Saturday morning right. in the right. states in the in the 70s as a kid was a big deal. That was cartoon. That time. was cartoon morning, and that yeah. was pretty much the only time you got to see cartoons. Other than you know, if it if it's around the holidays, you're going to get the the Rankin Bass Rudolph. Uh, you're going to get, of course, you know, any of the the, the Charles Schultz Charlie Brown specials, um, things like that. And those were a, a huge deal too. You know, to look forward that night is going to be one of those specials. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Now, you've, you've taught me something, then. I often say this whenever we have a conversation, I always learn something from you, because I never gave consideration to Saturday morning being cartoon time. Now, when I think of the number of references I must have heard and folks say, you know, oh, it's Saturday mornings watching uh-huh. cartoons all day, it, you know, it never really, it never dawned on me, I never made the connection that it was I'd, cartoon time. I'd have to look, I'd probably have to research, I don't know how early they actually started, but right. seven or eight, I would guess. And it was, 
Oh, it was just amazing. And always the staple of the of the morning was always for decades was the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. Yes, okay. And those were yeah. phenomenal. And yeah. through the years, it just, you know, they started editing them, and then, you know, certain ones they wouldn't show. And then I think it wasn't too many years ago that they, it aired for the last time on Saturday morning. And I said, we've really lost something. Come when, to an when, end of an era. When, when Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner aren't on Saturday mornings, something has changed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it was it was cartoons. But there was Scooby Doo. There was oh gosh, trying to think of the other cartoons. Um, but there was also a lot of really cool live action stuff. Uh, the Sid and Marty Croft stuff. Um, that was Sigmund the Sea Monster, and they had a they have something called the Croft Super Show, which had all these smaller um, stories in it. There was Bigfoot and Wild Boy was a, a show. And they, these were shows within the show? Within the show, oh, okay. yeah. It was yeah. it was introduced. They actually even had a uh, band, made-up band, that would kind of be their hosts. Oh, yeah? Well, like the it. Banana Splits almost. Kind of in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. were they were very caricatures of themselves. Yeah. They were all done up in glittery stuff. And, and, oh, cool, yeah. But uh, yeah. Wonderbug was one. Um, trying to think what the... Uh, Dr. Shrinker and... Um, Electro Woman and Dyna Girl. So Doctor Doctor Shrinker, I'm just I'm just guessing here. Did Doctor Shrinker manage to make things go very small? He would he'd he'd shrunk the kids small so everything around them was big. And this was years before Honey I Shrunk the Kids. So they were kind of definitely ahead of the game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there was still the cartoon stuff like (laughs) and Speed Buggy. And I'm you notice I'm mentioning Wonder Bug and Speed anything that had to do with wheels in a car. You were all over it. I was all over it. Yeah. So those were two of my absolute favorites yes. as a kid. Did you have Wacky Races? You remember that? Car? That was a cartoon, wasn't it? A cartoon. And it was the Hanna Barbera. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Snipe or uh, oh, Dastardly. Yeah, Dick Dastardly and, and yeah. Muttley. Muttley was his sidekick dog. Oh, they had so many of those yeah, in that one. Yeah. And Pen- a lot of the, a lot of the people Pitstop. from their universe was, yeah. would be in it. Snagglepuss yeah. would be in it. You know, stuff like that. Oh, okay. I think. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Those are those were. were a yeah, lot you sent me thinking now about about um, Batman. And the two things that, that I was always amazed at is how does how does nobody how has nobody figured out that Batman and Robin, you know, a Bruce a Bruce Wayne and his, and his ward, you know, like it's so obvious. Yeah. You know, even as a kid, you look at that and said, "How does nobody get?" Well, the it? bigger argument is, of course, Superman. He's like, "Where's Superman?" Oh, I put on glasses. I'm no longer <laughs> Superman. So, oh, okay, where'd he go? So, yeah. But actually, Dick Grayson was the war. Yes, and the other thing, that wonderful, the wonderful scene that they've used over and over of them using the using the batarang and the and the bat rope and climbing up the side of the building. Oh yeah. Yeah, with the with the with the angle of the camera. To, to well, and, and, and then as they go up, inevitably somebody would. Why it's it's uh, you know, it's yeah. Joey Bishop or yeah. it's uh, you know. Yeah, pop out and have a Martha Ray might might pop yeah, out and yeah. say hello or something yeah. like that. In fact, I think there's a you can look a compilation up on YouTube and just find all the celebrity uh, window openings from from that where they would yeah. you know, have special guests, which you know it's kind of so cool. cool, very cool. And it would cross over that show crossed over with uh, the Green Hornet, right? Uh, yeah. Which are made by the same people. But actually, I never hardly ever saw the Green Hornet. I guess they just didn't rerun that one. So yes, now I'm I'm a, of course we're all aware of these shows, but I can't ever remember sitting down as a kid watching the Green Hornet in the same way we used to watch. Um, Batman and Robin. Yeah, I said they didn't have didn't have the popularity for one thing. I'm sure, but on, on Saturday mornings too, they had a, uh, another set of live action ones. They had Shazam, which was Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, and Billy Batson was the when he wasn't 
Captain Marvel. Right. He would be, and they he he drove around in this Winnebago van, and in the back of it were like the elders, like the gods that would tell him, you know, kind of what to do or you know, advise him and such. Oh wow. Well, on the front of the, the motorhome, they had the 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 symbol like he had on his chest. I'm like, what better way to be incognito than put your <laughs> alter ego on the front of the the motorhome? In front of the Winnebago. Yeah, you know, pretty much all he wore when he wasn't uh, Captain Marvel was a pair of jeans and an orange t-shirt. So, you know, pretty pretty <laughs> simple simple wardrobe and that crossed over with Isis, which again, Isis, the, t- the term has definitely gone a different direction these days. Right. But she was like the Egyptian goddess, you know, yeah, superhero yes, yeah, from okay. that exact same, yeah. you know, storyline. So oh, wonderful. Yeah. I, I must admit, uh, we, we were talking about Star Trek uh, earlier on the first episodes, and I was, um, I've been watching a few reruns of Star Trek episodes. Well, I mean, you know, Star Trek is this. Such an iconic series now, and of course, we all you know, dearly love it. But some of those first episodes, they were pretty rough around the edges. Oh, I'm sure. A lot of those, a lot of those storylines. I'm amazed at how many planets they used to go to and find the sort of um, false vision of utopia. Uh-huh. Like every other episode seems to be, they land on a planet and think they're going to have such a great time, and they find out that it's actually very, very much a dystopia, and they're desperately trying to get off it and. You know, some 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 sort of cloud formation is yielding power over them, and they must try and get away from the you know the, the break the power of the of the mysterious cloud. But <laughs> a lot of those episodes are kind of kind of corny. Oh yeah, well, yeah. and there can't be like like again talking about Batman and stuff like that. It's just some campiness to it as well. Yeah. But uh, but we'll you know on that, of course, you fall in love with just the idea that it's the. It's almost the mythology of Star Trek. It's like the mythology of Star Wars now, isn't it? You know, you kind of you fall in love with it and just want more and more of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's this, oh, there's so it's in so much depth of people researching it, and those those out there that are experts will you know forget more than we'll ever know about yeah. either of the the the, the franchises. Yeah, but they are pretty amazing. But yeah, we had um, interesting shows come and go on Saturday mornings and. That was that was your time to to see the kids stuff and uh, what did what did they have other you know do you recall from from the U S come over other than the Batman in t- on, on in terms of cartoons and um, children's shows uh, you know not well we used to have we 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 had things like Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds uh, which, I barely remember the Thunderbirds as a yes. kid, but they, they did show them here at yes, some point. Yes, which was uh, uh, puppet marionation. Mar- marionettes. Ma- marionettes mm-hmm. was, was, yeah. Yeah, was, was you know, so, and they were really cool. You know, Thunderbirds would set out to um, um, save the world from disaster, you know, if... if uh, it, 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 if an oil rig was on the point of explosion for whatever reason, you know, Thunderbirds would be dispatched to to, to cure that. And, uh, uh, and Captain Scarlet was again made by the same the same crew, but um, not that many American, you know, sort of children's shows came over. We had a, we had a huge amount of American shows. Don't get me wrong in in, in England, but um, they were more adult shows. You know, you name it, we had it: Columbo, Kojak, Mash, all of all of those shows that have you know now gone on to become such great classics. We oh yeah, yeah. We, we had those icons um, icons of American television. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, this you know they're still in rerun now, aren't they? Almost you know you can put the TV on almost every night. You're going to find an episode of Mash. Yeah, 
and Star Trek, oh, Star Trek, Trek and of course now Batman. We used to have a kids show in England called Tiz Was when I was growing up, and it was um, um, it was today is Saturday, Watch and Smile. I think they called it. Very and good. It was um, hosted by Chris Tarrant, who you may know as the host from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and it's in the British form. I don't, I don't know if I've seen that version. I've seen how they brought it here with Regis Philbin back right. you know, 20 years okay. ago. So I think that first, the first series in England uh, had Chris Tarrant as the, as the host. And I actually have a feeling, I may be wrong here, but I think, I think Chris Tarrant um, was one of the creators of that. I believe so. But anyway, you know, it was, it was, um, it was, it was a bit like a watch. It was very unscripted, uh, Tiz was. It was on ITV, not BBC. So it was on. It was on. It, BBC was the posh network in England, and ITV, independent television, was for everybody else, right? <laughs> this, is, this is for us. This is for us. That's right. So Tiswas was on ITV, but it was very much a lot of clowning around. They used to throw buckets of water over each other, and you know the equipment would always break down. You're never really sure what was supposed to happen, but somehow or another, they seem to get through about three hours on a Saturday wow. morning. Every Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, so it was yeah. a Saturday morning staple. It was just absolutely. Was there anything else around it, or just that one show then? Um, it was that one show, but they'd do things like, um, you know, they'd have a. They, it was live. They'd have a live audience in, and uh, you know, they'd be talking to the kids, and then they'd go to a. It's, if there was a sort of show anywhere in England that day, uh, like an exhibition show, they'd they'd have a camera out at the exhibition show. Oh yeah, 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 you know that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, bring in the audience. Lots of like you know, phone in and call in, and you could write in and ask questions that sort of stuff. Great, yeah. great. Did, uh, how about the Mickey Mouse Club? Did it come over? Because that goes way back. I have a feeling it did, and I'm aware of it, but I can't say that it's a childhood memory yeah. of the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you a member of the Mickey Mouse Club? No, I, I mean, I remember seeing, again, it was the reruns back then, and they were back, the old reruns that had Annette Funicello, you know, so it went pretty far back, but I just don't think it got, it wasn't what we were into. You got excited about, you know, the stuff like Batman, stuff that you could play and go buy the toys of and stuff like that yeah. and the Saturday morning stuff you know you'd, you'd find the paraphernalia of, you'd find a jigsaw puzzle from one of the, the Saturday morning shows or something like that you know that you could you could go buy stuff and actually another of the live ones that was interesting was do you remember the Bay City Rollers? Do I, yeah yeah of course they yeah. had a they had an hour long Saturday morning TV show in the US no kidding yep the Bay City Rollers and that's my only introduction to them and they had that one <laughs> That one, one hit that we know Saturday night, but uh, I remember that show. And actually, it was such a big deal for the networks and stuff like that. They would have in the late seventies. They would have like, but before the season started, they have like one Friday introduction special. Like you'd watch on the Friday what shows are coming this season, right? And they would give you a kind of a preview of what uh, what's going to be all the kids shows. And that was exciting because again, this was back long before cable and, and yeah. all that and. You watched it, and you watched it once. It wasn't like you're going to tape it or, you know, have a chance to just pull it up and watch it. You watched it or you didn't. So the basically rollers were were really ahead of their time. How on earth did that ever? Were there any other British bands that made it over for their own? Joke? No. I mean, the one we were going to say, well, well of course yeah. the Beatles, but yeah, I'm not and, thinking the, the Beatles. The rollers were actually Scottish. TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, y'all had y'all weren't. It was Witchy Poo and and Puffin stuff created in England. Well, I'd like to. I'd like to. I think, like I, think, to I, think I think HR Puffin stuff was an English show. Don't give me. I I'm, don't quote me on that for sure. All right. But they came over and they 
They might have done it with the Bay City Rollers. No kidding. Now that I think about it, that might have been on the same show. But that was the first time I ever saw Witchy Poo and Puff and stuff. But I don't remember, remember seeing the show. And the show was back from the 60s, I think. Yeah. Maybe maybe late 60s, early 70s. But, uh, yeah, I don't remember it other than that, them, them, those characters. Remarkable. I, well, yeah, I'd never heard that about the Bay City Rollers on the road show over in the States. So that would have been... I'm guessing what seventy two. I'm gonna guess. No, 72? no, this was later. This was probably past seventy five. Oh, so right, maybe right, seventy seven, right. seventy eight, something like that. Yeah. And then uh, you didn't see it as much in the Saturday morning stuff, but once Star Wars hit, there were so many things based around space. Everybody wanted to get on board with kind of the space craze. Yeah. So you started seeing it again. It wasn't Saturday morning at all, but it was you know Battlestar Galactica was probably the best one to come out of that, and the, the Buck Rogers and. Stuff like that. Yes, you're right. Anything, anything to do with space was suddenly big news, wasn't it? Really, for for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. everybody, all the executives say, "Hey, this is selling," so that's what we're going to go with. Yeah, there this, was is, one. this is rule about science fiction. If you can put the word "space" at the front of any noun, it makes it much more exciting. Like, you know, space gun, for example. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All of a sudden, it sounds. Well, like yeah. How many stuff. toys did they just re- <laughs> reissue and just put the word <laughs> put, space gun, put, put, space walkie talkies, right. and make a fortune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but on the flip, you know, on the flip side of, of of that, my introduction to probably British shows was much much later. I don't remember much as a kid. Like I said, the puffin stuff kind of stuff. I think might have carried over slightly. Right. But um, I, the very first British show I can distinctly remember was the Benny Hill show. Mm, okay. And I was probably about 10 when I discovered And it actually happened when we would visit Florida, visit our family in Florida, and we actually ended up moving down there shortly thereafter. And it was on one of the local channels at 11 o'clock out of Orlando. And, uh, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> And two, it was a little, was a little risque, you know. You're you're a you know young boy, and these beautiful women, you know, in bikinis and stuff like that too. And it was just, it was very tongue in cheek, as you know. Yeah. And uh, that was my probably first introduction to, to British humor and, and and comedy. Yeah. So I think uh, Benny Hill was a lot more successful in the states than every really? was every was in. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, so I think so. I think he was a great export to the United States and. Uh, uh, became very, very popular. It's a bit like Mr. Bean, yep. Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson's Mr. Bean character, during my years in, in France, everybody wanted to talk about Mr. Bean. <laughs> it was a huge hit in really? France. Yeah, okay. far, far more popular in France than every, and every, and every was in England. Um, yes, and I, I think that was... I think that was a, the case with a, a lot of shows. Of course, the, the, the ultimate has to be uh, the export of Monty Python's Flying Circus, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, which was probably earlier than that, obviously. Yeah, because the movies were being made in the 70s. Yes, yeah, so, well, I imagine series series one of Python was probably 68, maybe? Probably, 69. I think they showed them occasionally, but they're kind of rare, and I just I don't think I caught on to them back then. I, yeah. And in fact, I know I didn't. Um, I kind of wish I did now, but uh, but yeah, they had, they occasionally would show up, and then not too long after that, um, and it was on MTV back when MTV was still MTV. They would occasionally show some good shows, but they brought the young ones, right? And yeah. the young ones were on at eleven o'clock on a Sunday night. I remember okay. it vividly. Yeah. This was this was early high school for me, right. and it was a perfect show for that. And they the episode I started with. 
And it, it's not episode one, but it's Bambi, yes. where, where, they, where they go play University Challenge. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. it's, it's still my favorite episode because I just think it's the, the best one. And the, the, the musical guest was Motorhead. And yes. Oh, I love that one. Now, the, 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 the great gag was probably um, overlooked by many folks who watched The Young Ones, but that particular episode is University Challenge. Um, it's great. I mean, the show ran for years in England. It probably is still running now in England. But the way that it was shot uh, had the two teams of, of student contestants sitting side by side in the studio. But they did that classic split shot of putting both sets of contestants one on top of the other, as if they were sitting on a higher level. Okay, but of course, they screen. weren't really. It was a split screen. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And, of course, the young ones played that out beautifully by having them sitting one group above the other because if you remember you know the sort of Vivian I think pushed his foot pushed his foot through the floor yeah he hits one of them on yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah 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 well the young ones well on that on the university challenge you remember who the people were on the on the posh team it was Emma Thompson yes Hugh Laurie Stephen Fry Stephen Fry yeah and I don't think we had remember the other one but that's three major <laughs> went on to, to major careers it was after that Ben Elton, I think, was the other guy Maybe. on the posh team. I, I never ben, saw him ben again, Elton. but he might have been well known. Yeah, well, Ben, El- ben Elton was one of the right was one of the writers of, of the young ones, um, uh, but of course, he never. He was a stand- still is a stand up comedian. Okay, um, that went on um, to great, great success. But one of his one of his great claims to fame was you know writing um, um, TV shows around the nineteen eighties, alternative shows, but Blackadder. Was was his great claim to fame? Oh, okay, really. was that him? Okay. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm the sure, funny thing yeah. is, you know, like the young ones and stuff. It, they only, they only, thir- there's only 13 episodes. I think it's a very limited. You know, they they made made them and put them in the can and we're done. Yes, that, yes, that's exactly right. They didn't want to go on and, and produce another series, did they? And they, mm-hmm. yes, I'm trying to think if Ben Elton did have a writing credit actually now in 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 um, in the young ones or he was around that alternative comedy lifestyle so everyone that was in the young ones they were all stand-up comedians in the alternative comedy circuit yeah, down in see, london yeah, yeah and um yeah actually now i've said that ben elton had a writing credit on that i'm not sure but most definitely it did in uh in blackadder well something i discovered literally just two or three years ago um you remember when they did uh do they know it's christmas band-aid in yes. 1984 for yes. the opening yeah. relief yeah well i watched on youtube one of the uh Kind of back backstage, kind of making of kind of specials, just around Christmas time. I, I love the song and it brings back memories and all this. So I watched the special. Well, Nigel Planer, who was Neil mm. in the Young Ones, right? I did, never knew this, but he came to that recording. It was never on on the recording of the, the album or the, the song or anything. But he was backstage as Neil during the whole time. <laughs> so he played this character. Backstage, and would like do a little guitar or something with the with the uh, all these famous people that were there to record an album. I'm like, that's a treasure finding that right there. He was all, he was always my favorite young one anyway. Neil. Yeah, I always like Neil the best. They're all great, but I think Neil he's... Neil Orange Peel. <laughs> yes, well, wonderful, a wonderful show. But all of those all of those guys and girls from that series have gone on to much bigger and better things and have now become national treasures mm-hmm. which yeah, over yeah. here i mean even even that little bit of young ones you don't see many of them have any 
stuff done in the States. Rick Mayall did that one movie with Phoebe Cates, uh, Drop Dead Fred, right. which yeah. was pretty much a flop. Yes. That's the only thing yeah. I ever remember him coming yeah. over here and trying to get into the American mainstream. Yes. Well, Rick, Rick, Rick Mayall, I mean, a, a, bit, a bit of a hero of mine, really. Um, tremendous comic talent. Um, sadly, no longer with us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out of the young ones, he was the first one to go. Yeah, yeah. He was a uh, he, he was a partner for many many years with Adrian Edmondson, who played mm-hmm. Vivian. Yep. And uh, together they together they played the Dangerous Brothers, uh, but just absolutely anarchic TV. And then went went on to do uh, the Bottom series as well, mm-hmm. both his TV shows and his stage shows, and. Well, just brought slapstick comedy to a, at a whole new level. But, well, and Adrian uh, is is married to Jennifer Saunders. Uh, yes, another I mean, very big icon of uh, British comedy. Yeah, she did yeah, Ab Fab from, and from many, Ab many, Fab. many other things. Yeah, so all of those. I mean, it's it's absolutely right. All of those folks, they all went through the same. They must have been. I can't say they're all at the same university together, but they're all at university at the same time, and then they were drawn to the alternative comedy circuit in England in the early eighties, which was, it was. It was it was kind of a, the the punk rock version of comedy, really. It was yeah. a revolt against everything else that had happened before. Yeah, you know, we can't do comedy in this staid, tired fashion as it's been done. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna change it. We're gonna, you know, we, we, it's a whole new world of comedy. And uh, they all went on to much bigger and better. And now, of course, you know Stephen Fry, who's so well known for so for so for so many things. Uh, not least of which, uh, you know, the narrator of the Harry Potter books in in England okay. um, uh, has just become this tremendous national treasure. And his comedy partner, you may know, is uh, Hugh Laurie oh, I uh, love, from I House. Love Hugh. Yeah, yeah, you see him much more in serious roles and stuff, but I love his his acting. So, so when they started out, they were all in Footlights, Cambridge together, or from you know that Oxbridge. You know, not not all of them, but you certainly Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie uh, is it's a case, and yeah, Hugh Laurie's gone on to great things with House and, and beyond, and Stephen Fry has now become this sort of wonderful figure of TV, but most especially radio. He's sort of taken over control of Radio Four in England, and you know when Stephen Fry talks, everybody listens. You know, but just incredible to think they all started from this very small, humble beginnings um, of an alternative comedy club uh, down in London that was originally, you know, it was it was a strip, it was a strip club, and it used to like you know like let's say it was twelve o'clock or one o'clock in the morning. In weekdays, I think it was weekdays, they they closed down and opened it up as a comedy club, you know, in the middle of Soho and in now London. For something completely yeah. different. And away and away they go, you know, and yeah. they've you know now become these great stars of stage and screen. Yeah, in the US, I mean, you know, obviously Saturday Night Live has produced a number of, you know, major comedy actors and, and actresses. Um, the groundlings out in LA and you know, for a, a not it's been quite, quite some time, but look at all those that came out of SCTV. You know, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, uh, John Candy. I mean, there's just so many that came out of that group that was just still doing great stuff. Yes, that I, I think what you're describing here with all of those, all of those characters is the same thing, but different than what was happening in England at the same time. Yeah. Sort of a group that were feeding off each other, exactly. sort of creatively feeding off each other. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. make each other better. Make each other better is exactly right, and uh, support one another, and yeah, 
Yeah, funny enough, I was watching the Blues Brothers the other day, and uh, that little clip of uh, of John Candy, uh, who's playing the you know, he's playing the cop trying to arrest them, and he's sitting at the table, and he's all, he orders orange whips. <laughs> Just I don't know what it is about that little scene. Orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips. <laughs> yeah, it's, gosh, it's hard hard to believe he's been gone over twenty five years now. I think it was yeah. somewhere around ninety four we lost him. But uh, you know, I know, I know. Right now, Eugene Levy and, and Catherine O'Hara are both starring in Schitt's Creek, and it's very popular. So, yeah, I, yes, I think the last film I I can remember John Candy being in would have been Uncle Buck. I mean, I can't say that was his last movie. That's kind th- of no, I don't think it was, but it remains one of my absolute favorites that he ever did, without a doubt. Uncle Buck. Yes, absolutely. Mm, yeah. And and I'm not a huge Macaulay Culkin fan, but I think he had his best lines in that movie. I think he was at his best. In that movie, it was before Home Alone, yeah, and it was just he did a really, really fun job in that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great characters. It's a tragedy when these when these folks have to leave us and leave us too soon. It's always too soon, but when that happens, it really is. Yeah, what other what other great British uh, English stroke British TV shows made it over to the states? Ah, oh, what what came over after that? I mean, I'm sure now we're starting to see with with all the uh, you know your Netflix and all the Hulu and all that, you're starting to see a lot of great stuff I think, coming um, out of there. Um, perhaps the, one of the most popular, fairly recent exports is is The Office, isn't it? At least the idea of The Office. Yeah, uh, you know, it started you know, off as Gervais' show, yeah. and, and then, what, 2000, somewhere around 2004, I think, right. is when they brought the American one. I still remember vividly seeing the pilot episode of the, of the U.S. one and thinking, this show is brilliant, but it's not going to make it. But... The audience has picked up on it, and it carried through. Yes, it, it was one of those shows. You're right. Some shows, when they're remade, they they just flop instantly. Like it's instantly, you know. The, you need that character, the lead character. You you need whatever it is that makes that show particularly successful. You're right. But um, yes, the U.S. version of The Office just absolutely nailed it. Mm-hmm. It worked just as, it worked just as well in the States as it did in England. Well, I think shortly shortly after the success of The Office in the U.S., they tried to bring over Coupling. And Coupling was only four seasons in the in the U.K. Okay. And they tried it here. Didn't uh, work. And it didn't work at all. Yeah. I don't even know if it lasted six episodes, maybe. I'm not sure, but it just did not work at all. But I know they were trying to piggyback, I'm sure, that success off of The Office. But you gotta got to give it a try sometimes, and... Sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, that's very interesting, discussing uh, what uh, what shows were popular when, when you were little. And Yeah, I mean, we had such such fun watching American TV. I mean, I, I just used to love all those shows, but particularly, you know, MASH, for example. You know, that used to be on it. It used to be 9 o'clock at night. Um, used to, you know, used to be allowed to stay up and watch it, you know, and probably really shouldn't have done, but just terrific. Some of them, I mean, now when you look back, you know, a lot of those shows you look back and think, wow, just like we talked about Star Trek, you look at them and think, well, a lot of the scripts were hit and miss, but boy, they've stood the test of time, nevertheless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mash House, definitely. Um, of course, you know, Friends was a huge hit over in England. A oh, really? Huge, huge hit, huge hit around yeah. the whole world, I think. Yeah. yeah, it was, of course, really big here. And, and, of course, it's syndication everywhere. It's on all the time here. So that's that's definitely one that has 
now what, gosh, 25 years later, too, since yeah. that one started. And you mentioned earlier on um, Monty Python and uh, the films were being made in the 70s. Um, but I tell you, it, unless I'm mistaken, it's only fairly recently where you started to see reruns of the movies, uh, Python movies. On, on TV. I mean, for many years, they were just never shown. Maybe so. I think the last time uh, IFC, I think, showed them, you know, the, the Holy Grail. Yeah. Within the past few months. Yeah. I, I caught that, you know, was, was on. I'm like, oh, you know, I popped on it for a little while. You know, for a long time, they were just a big kind of cult college thing. You know. Right. Some the local, like, <laughs> right. the, the university group that, you know, shows the entertainment would, would show a classic Monty Python or they'd show, you know, a Clockwork yeah. Orange or something, you know, along those lines. Cult, cult movies and stuff like that. I got to I got to say when when Monty Python and the Holy Grail was released in England it 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 changed my life I mean I, it just it was it was it was a bit like talking about the young ones an alternative comedy but when the Holy Grail was was released in England I remember I I took the day off school <laughs> shouldn't have done but had to go and see it on on opening day wow. on the Thursday in Loughborough the little town close to where I lived and. Um, so sneaked away from school, uh, caught the bus into Loughborough to watch the, you know, watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And it was like, I want to say it was one o'clock in the afternoon. There's hardly anybody in there. There's about, let's say there were six people in, but the, the, my core memory of watching that movie for the first time is all six of us kind of just sat together in the same yeah, you know kind of right, bonded, almost, yes, bonded by the little group there and just loved it just just from the opening credits the strange quirkiness of the opening credits um until the strange quirkiness of the close when you know the the policeman just puts his hand in front of the camera and the film runs off its runners and, and just just like a life-changing experience and uh, yeah 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 i wish i'd seen it on the big screen you got a you got a very special treat there Oh, I, was, I, I, I remember it to this very day. I can remember walking out of that cinema um, and just thinking, you know, the world can never be the same again. Like, movie making can never be the same again after that. All of it. I mean, just the, just the lines, the, the comedic lines and the settings, you know, and the fact all the mist and the, the, the castles where they were filming, you know, and the fact that there were no horses because they couldn't afford horses and so they were using coconut shells mm-hmm. and writing that into the script, you exactly. know, the appreciation of writing that into the script. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, of everything that Monty Python have done, and I'll, I'll quite happily sit through almost everything they've done, but that one particular moment to me was just head and shoulders above everything else I've ever done. Yeah, I was so pleased they did that. Very good, very good. I can yeah. say that'd be amazing to to see some of the classics on on the big screen. We just won't hardly get that chance anymore. Putting movies, you're absolutely right. Kevin. Putting classic movies on on the big screen to me just seems like such a no brainer. I've been banging on to myself about this for years. Like you go you go to the cinema and every cinema wherever you live in the world uh, in the same town, they're all showing the same six or eight. Movies. You can see them here. You can see them there. You can see them over there. But they're all the same. If you just had like one screen, would dedicate itself to showing classic movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. You think you could almost, I, you uh, know, yeah, create, almost a, create a theater that's kind <laughs> yes. of dedicated. Yes. And should, should I ever win the lottery? That would be one thing I would. I would open. Whether up anybody comes or not, that's I'm going right. to have these showing. Yes. And yes. They're, they're going to be playing. Yes. They are not. That's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. of course, back in the you know, day before video, before even videotapes and stuff like that, you know, that was your only chance to see a movie again. It's Absolutely. Coming back, coming back as a limited engagement. See The Godfather again. See Star Wars again. Yes. You know, and that was a, a very specific yeah. way of, you know, getting to relive something or take somebody that hadn't seen it before. Because that was your yeah. chance. Now, I should, I should, I must say that uh, a few cinemas have started to show, you know, Rescreen old movies. It's not so long ago. True, or they'll have like a theme, like you know, a summer they'll do a beach theme. You know, they'll do beach movies or something for yeah. a week, or yes. horror movies. You know, but they'll do a horror week at Halloween or something like that. I had the opportunity to see some like it hot uh, on the big screen oh, for the great. first time, and it, that again to me, it's just that movie. There's just something about it which is just spot on. Well, I think it's always consistently ranked. I'm sure everybody has different opinions, but I think it's usually ranked as the number one comedy of all cinema. When everybody does their yeah. list, or the, yeah, a, the AFI list right. is probably, I think it is considered number and one. And yet, when you, try and, when you try and pin these things down, like what made this movie the classic movie it is, it's very difficult to actually say, ah, well, it's because of this or that. It, it, just, uh, it just happens. Exactly. It's a bit yeah, like Castle Blanca. You don't Blanca, know you have the title you know, by the tail until years later prove that. What, what I read and see about Casablanca is so many things could have gone wrong with that movie. It was going to be, it was never going to be made, then it was going to be made, and this happened, that happened. But thank goodness it did, because there is another absolute classic, you know. And uh, to, to see these movies on the TV is one thing. To see them via you know, DVD is, is another thing. But to actually get the experience to sit in the, to sit in the cinema when the lights go down... Uh, and they come on the silver screen. It's just, yeah. If there's one thing I could do to help the wider world, should ever I have the money to do it, it would be to open a cinema dedicated to classic movies. Yeah, well, very good. Yeah. Well, on that note, I hope uh, hope everyone finds some time to maybe go out and find enjoyment in one of their favorite movies at some point. I hope so. That'd be a good way to yeah send us off. Well, we better wrap up this episode, hadn't we? It's, it's absolutely pitch pitch dark out here now. Can't see any. Other than the lights on the other side, you still here? The lights on the other side of the lake we can see, but other than that, it is there is no light whatsoever. Well, okay, let's sign off. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you come back and join us for episode three. Absolutely. Say bye bye, Kevin. Bye bye, Kevin. Bye.